Hi, my name is Brian Hawkins, councilman in the city of San Jacinto, Riverside County. I'm running for U.S. Congress District 25 here in California, and you're watching Folks Alert on Apple Podcasts. Welcome to the Folks Alert Show. My name is Kiko. My guest today is Brian Hawkins. Councilman, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on. Um, well, listen, thank you for coming on. I know you're busy doing your campaign on your two-step, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time this evening to sit down and chat with me about your campaign. But before we even get into your campaign, you have a very interesting story, sir. To to, to get to councilman, it's, it's been a long road for you to even get there, sitting under uh, as a councilman and sitting on that seat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I definitely have a very unique story that didn't arrive in politics your traditional way. Um, I've had some some serious hurdles in my life. I spent some time behind bars, and you know that was probably one of the most you know significant moments in my life. And as I've told people, you know, given the fact that I've, you know, was, you know, sentenced to time behind, you know, a rental car being three days late, it didn't cause me to become bitter uh, towards the justice system or towards law enforcement. I thought that the best way to really fix it is, you know, getting a seat at the table. Uh, going through that experience, doing some time dealing with the justice system being a man of color black man you can see the problems with the justice system firsthand um and as you said you went through that experience you weren't bitter but you dealt with it as you are now you're a councilman is it easy for you to relate with your voters um some of them who may be disadvantaged some of them who are uh coming from a certain background um may not be uh, a fan of the the police or the justice system absolutely i believe that uh, my story and my scars that i show people i love showing people the wounds of of my past i love sharing my story because there are more people who relate to it than, than people think you know when i'm giving speeches and i'm going into these spaces i can't tell you how many mothers fathers brothers, you know, sisters, people that come up to me and they're, you know, they're just emotional, um, knowing that somebody like myself is able to turn things around and, and make a difference. And, you know, it allowed people to see that, you know, politicians actually have a, a, a similar life or a background that they have gone through or maybe a family member. Right. So it allows me to look at society through a different lens than your normal politician. What interests you in politics? Uh, the lack of voices in, in D.C. Uh, you know, when I, I tell my children, you know, politicians should sound like the people that elected them. And when I listen to the conversations, I, I don't hear the issues that everyday people are dealing with. And 
you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. And then I asked myself, you know, how are we ever going to solve these problems? If the people who are in position to change or make a difference, they're not talking about it. And so I've decided to throw my hat in the ring so I can go talk about these issues that people are facing every day. Not only you're a councilman, but you're also a pastor. So which came first, pastor or the councilman? Pastor. Pastor came first. Yeah, pastor. Yes, I, I grew up in the church. Uh, so church to church really kind of like my whole life. But I've been pastor now for the last seven years. Someone would say uh, you being a pastor and being a, con uh, a congressman, uh, well, council might my, my forgive my forgive me. You're running for Congress, actually. You being a councilman would be a conflict between church and state. How do you answer that? <laughs> I, I tell people, you know, to really go and research uh, that very statement. It doesn't mean people who go to church shouldn't run for office. And I think that's the mistake that people make. You know, just because I have a prayer life, I have a relationship with God, doesn't mean I shouldn't get involved in politics. That's like said, it's the separation of church and your job. Um, there are many religious people that are CEOs, that are executives, that are making decisions over many people's lives. And we seem to don't have a problem with that, just in the politics. Uh, but the separation of church and state was never meant to keep religion out of politics. It was to keep politics out of religion to where this country would not favor any religion over the other or that the government would not impose its will over the church, kind of like what you saw in 2020 when many of the churches were forced to shut down. That right there is what separation of church and state was really supposed to come into, you know, it's, it's reasoning, but obviously it didn't happen then. Um, I agree with you on that point. Uh, you're running for, for Congress, U.S. Congress, but as you sit there, one would say, oh, well, I listen, I assume that you were running as a Democrat, right? But you're not. You're running as a Republican. Uh, were you always a Republican? I was. And I, and I have been. Uh, the problem is, is that we make issues political. So because I'm talking about health care inequalities, you know, that's not like a Democrat talking point. When I'm talking about the justice system, that's a Democrat talking point. When I'm talking about poverty, welfare, and social security, and mm -hmm. immigration, both the Democrat talking points. The, the, the problem is that they should be everybody's talking points. You know, there's poverty in both parties. There's health care inequalities in both parties. There are people that are dealing with social security in both parties. And unfortunately, uh, we become divided off of issues where issues should be the last thing that we're divided over. Why is there such a separation when it comes to the, the two party and poverty usually is the, the dividing factor, right? When people assume someone is a Republican, they think it's a, it's a money aspect or an income gap between that. And if someone is a Democrat, it always associate with the, the disadvantage or the minority. It should be just be a, the issues, as you just said, why, why, why is it that? I, I think because uh, the grassroots of the parties have become the identity 
um, and many of the grassroots people feel that though the Democrats have done a better job messaging towards those demographics of people, uh, whereas the Republican Party hasn't done a good job over the years of uh, going into those spaces. And that's a fault of the Republican Party. Um, and I just think that there's a, you know, a stigmatism I go with, there's a fear for some reason. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is shifting. Um, a lot of people are starting to read and look at legislation differently. Uh, and I think that you'll see over the next couple of election cycles, there'll be a, a shift. It's already starting to happen now. Um, you know, and I believe in, you know, more than just a two-party system. You know, nobody should have to be forced to be either Democrat or Republican. Um, right. You know, before we were parties, we were Americans. Uh, and I think that that's the problem. We've gotten so focused on party that we've gotten away from solving problems. But also, I think it's a it's an issue where people assume because of maybe your father, for example, was a Democrat, right? And or your Absolutely. parents was a Republican. Automatically, people inherit that voting right in that household. Uh, and I think that shouldn't necessarily be the case of how you vote. It should be based upon the issues that impact you. Uh, the Democrats, for example, for, for a long period of time, they can always bank on the black vote. Um, I think in my lifetime, I saw a shift of that with Trump. Um, because there's no way he could have become president without the black vote. So some black, some black voters cross party lines. No, I, I agree. And, and you're absolutely right. I think that, um, and you're starting to see it even more now and, and it's true so much, even with the Hispanic community, um, you know, if you grew up voting in one particular party, it does become a, a generational, <laughs> I don't want to say curse, but it, I mean, in so many ways it has become you know, what my parents have done, but you, you're starting to see, and I think a lot of the shift come, you know, you, you say Trump uh, in 2016, but even now, and as many states are moving to mail-in ballots, uh, people are getting ballots for the first time and they're getting it two or three weeks out before the election day. Right. And a lot of people are doing their homework. A lot of people are looking at candidates, they're tired of being lied to, and they're starting to ask some tough questions, like, why are we still struggling? You're, you said the Hispanic vote. You're in Southern California. I think we can call that Southern California, San, that San Diego area, correct? I'm in the Riverside Imperial County, just east of uh, San Diego. East of San Diego. So what would that be called? That, is that Central California or? It's, no, it's still Southern California. Okay. I mean, Southern, California is just a massive state. So yeah, we are in Southern California. Okay, Southern California. Now, do you deal with speaking of the hispanic vote i, I do uh, i spend a considerable amount of time um the my district is three counties and imperial county is about 80 percent hispanic it borders mexico um so i've gone over to mexico quite a few times uh because there is a, a binational uh relationship between mexicali and calexico uh, with the agriculture industry you know mm -hmm. uh, imperial county provides 85 percent of the winter vegetables uh, to the nation 
America. So the agriculture industry is really big. And I do have a message that has been going out to uh, the Hispanic community uh, over the last year and a half. 85% Hispanic. You no, said 85% right? of winter vegetables. That district no, is no, no, 80%. No. Your, your district, is it 85% Hispanic? No, no, no. My district is 40. All together, it's about 49% Hispanic. 49% Hispanic. So that's a great deal of um, Latinos that live in your district. And you're elected councilman. Do you... Yes, sir. The border issue, I'm sure that is coming up. Immigration issue is coming up because... Uh, and as you're going out into your, into your district, into your county, talking to your... Um, to potential voters, what are the conversation? Are they concerned um, with the rhetoric coming from Washington that trickles down, you know, to local politics? Absolutely. You know, just like when you go into the inner city community, you'll hear a lot of residents that actually want more law enforcement because they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. It's the same as with the border. Many of the Hispanics, they actually want border security because there are people who have come through the port of entry mm. and they are waiting you know, that process to getting citizenship. But because so many federal dollars and attention goes towards illegal immigration, it's causing a slow process. You know, the pandemic, you know, we lost a lot of employers, uh, employees during the pandemic. And so many of our uh, government positions are not, you know, 100% to capacity, you know, we're we're, you know, we're, we're missing in different areas. You know, some people are working two and three positions uh, in some of these custom, you know, and administration jobs uh, dealing with, um, you know, citizenship. And so we have to focus on the illegal immigration. It's causing a s slow process. And you know, I was talking to some Border Patrol agents and custom, you know, people who work at U.S. Customs. And there's some serious conversation of asking that, you know, strengthening borders, having IDs. You know, a lot of people focus on individuals crossing the Rio Grande. Right. But there are people who walk through the borders with birth certificates that has been purchased on the black market. You know, people are selling their birth certificates so folks can walk right on through the border. Is that possible? Yeah, I actually have a video uh, about two weeks ago. I was down in Mexicali and going through the Calexico entry and I walked right on in. I had took my family over, my wife, my two children. And, you know, they're supposed to see a birth certificate for my children, but they took my word for it that these were my kids and I walked on through. But the line, you know, uh, in the video, you can see many people in the line, some four or 500 people wow. and they're holding Manila, Manila envelopes. And I'm watching them walk right on through with just a birth certificate, no ID, no passport. Just a birth certificate. So and I'm talking to customers and they're like, I don't know who these people are, these really them, but they can't do anything about it. Well, did it, do they, don't they have the technology to verify that birth certificate is real, authentic? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and that's the thing about it. How do you verify an authentic birth certificate? As long as you have a copy <laughs> of it, it, it'll be authentic. People are selling their birth certificate on right, this side right. of the country in America. They're selling know. legal birth certificates, copy of it, to, you know, the groups that are going over to Mexico. So that's something that I'm going to investigate when I get into Congress, too, 
you know, who are selling these birth certificates um, and is allowing people to come through here with someone else's birth certificate. So when we hear, we look at CNN or one of the national news and MSNBC or Fox, and they say, oh, the borders, you know, these border states are, you know, impacted greatly with these people crossing the border and, you know, we need to shut down the border. That's only part of the story, correct? Because as you saying, you witnessed yourself going to Mexico, coming back, the Border Patrol, take your word for it. I get, you know, you're a councilman. So why would they have any, I mean, they have no reason to, to dispute what you're saying, but people are showing their birth certificates and they're walking through. So at the port of entry, there is a problem that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, we focus on the, you know, cause it's a, it's a, it's a great backdrop for a media story when you see in hundreds of people crossing the, the river, but then there are people walking dry right on through, you know, you know, coming through the port of entry. Like I said, I have a beautiful video of me walking because I walked through myself several times. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you this, but before I even get to your issues, um, your talking points of why people should send you to Congress, I want to play a clip from your Instagram page of you talking about career politicians, all right? Career politician and the talking points that they've used year after year, and it's worked. It's worked very successful for them, and they've got votes. So let me play that clip. We'll come back and we'll talk. Like everybody know the problem we face except politicians. Every year it's the same political ads. Like we haven't seen this before. I'm going to tackle homeless, fix immigration, and solve public safety. Meanwhile, 59% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. The government will mail you a check and take it right back at the pump. Can you afford 10 more years of these policies? It doesn't add up. It's time we get rid of these photo op career elected officials. The brutal truth is, it's time for us to send the doctor back to the ER and not to DC. Vote for Hawkins, a voice birthed from the struggle. I approve this message. You have a point there, sir. Absolutely. You know, that's the, the problem with camp campaigning. You got these consultants that give people these same talking points. You know, when I get interviewed by the news, I get asked the same three questions. You know, what are my thoughts on immigration? What are my thoughts on, um, not immigration, what are my thoughts on abortion or gun control? And, uh, you know, and so, you know, there's more issues out there. And it seems like politicians, all they know how to do is give you the political talking points. Yeah, but you, the issues that you, the points that you just raised just now, those are national talking points. Uh, they get, you know, people excited, um, you know, abortion. But that doesn't necessarily trickle down to the local issues, right? I saw a video on your on your Instagram page where you said this is the third time I'm filling up my tank today because um, I'm doing all these campaign stops and I'm filling up my I think it was one hundred and thirty two dollars. It costs you to fill up your tank and you're like, you know, people are really hurting. You know, I, I think and I think you said the cost of a of regular gas a gallon was like seven seven dollars. I don't even know, like $7. I'm like, what? 
<laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to welcome drive to my California. car. I wouldn't be able to drive my car. Yeah, welcome to California. And that's the problem. You know, um, I just posted the other day, unless you're unless you're planning on having an abortion in the next two years or you're thinking about marrying the same sex or, you know, you're going to get rid of some of your guns. The issue that they want you to focus on, like I said, national issues is not local. And so many people are robbed of getting the real help that they need because they're being, you know, manipulated into, you know, focusing on national issues. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I had a logo that was made called Black Representative. You know, I wanted people to focus on their community, their street, their neighborhood, their district. Um, you know, I had a debate with Dr. Ruiz and that was one of the topics I talked about, you know, focusing on the, the 25th congressional district. I'm not running for the entire United States. I'm running for my district, the people that are within the 25th congressional district. Got you. What you may have potential voters who are on the fence thinking about casting their vote on Tuesday in your district. What do you want to speak directly to them? What do you want them to know that separate you from your uh, the, the national politics and also maybe someone that's running against you? Well, I think you said it right there. You know, if you're on the fence and this is a this is one of those gut check moments, you know, those, you know, really aha moments. You know, you have to ask yourself, why are you on the fence? The person I'm running against has been in office for 10 years. Ooh. So you're, you're saying that because you haven't voted for him, then he hasn't spoken to or addressed your issues in 10 years. And the question is, you know, are you willing to invest another 10 years to be at 20 years of your life? Right. We don't there is no second life. You don't get a, you know, I mean, a 2.0. This is it. And, you know. Are you willing to invest 10 more years um, of your life with what you're now on the fence about today? And then that's that's the real question you have to ask yourself. Um, you know, obviously, you're on the fence because you need help. You need real answers to real solutions. Like we say, real time solutions, local issues, things that are, you know, the roads that you're driving on. And, and that's where I'm trying to solve. I'm trying to fix the roads that I've traveled in my district, the 163,000 miles in the last two years have been the roads in my district. And those are the areas that I'm looking to represent. I'm looking to represent the same streets that you drive on, the same schools that your children go to. My children go to those same schools. They're reading those same textbooks. You know, I'm standing in that same grocery store line that you're looking at that same food. That raisin brand that used to give you two scoops, I'm looking at that same box that has shrunk, but the price has gone up. I'm at that same gas pump. I don't have anybody filling up my gas tank. I'm filling it up myself. So I'm seeing those numbers tick and go up. And and you have to ask yourself, you know, when is somebody going to care about your issues? You know, it's great to think about all these other things. When I think about 59% of Americans that are living paycheck to paycheck, when I'm thinking about the people who are living on the streets that are homeless, it's cold now. In California, you know, I woke up, it was 36 degrees. Yeah, we were enjoying 108, 109 a couple of weeks ago, but now we're in the 30s. And so I'm asking you to look at your right now and ask yourself, are you willing to invest 
the next 10 years to just duplicate where you are right now. It's funny that you say that, but how is it possible? And you may not know the answer there, but how is it possible for someone to be in in office? How does people make a career out of being a politician and well, give you the same talking point year after year, election after election, and keep getting reelected? A tunnel vision. It's the same way when you're driving for 10 years at the same job. You, you sometimes arrive at home and don't even realize you've passed so many different places. Um, when you're going down the road every day, remind me of a book called Who Moved My Cheese? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're going down that, you know, maze every day, grabbing that same cheese, you're not thinking of anything else. You, you become comfortable. You become, you know, complacent to thinking that the people that are telling you that they're going to go work on your problems, that you're trusting them. And because you haven't given them a timeline or that person hasn't given you a timeline, you, you don't really know how long it takes. And I think that that's the reason why it's easy to uh, convince people to keep giving them their support. Um, but, you know, I come to challenge that. I, I'm challenging, you know, the process, the timeline. You know, who says it takes 10 years? You know, people say Rome wasn't built in the day, but guess what? We're finding out you know, with new technology, 3D printing, guess what? You can actually build Rome in a day with 3D printing. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and so we, we've been able to challenge that. And you no longer can say Rome wasn't built in a day with the technology that we have. We're building homes a lot faster, um, not as fast as we need to, but because of legislation, you know, you can build a home. You know, I've watched the stream home makeovers or you know, I've watched them go in in seven days and build a house. Right. So you can build a home. It's just what's what's the cause of of homes being built? Politicians. Legislation. Right. And so, you know, if we get the politicians out the way and get common sense people in those positions, as Ronald Reagan said, we can get a lot of things done as long as no one takes the credit. I want to I want to ask you something. This is little bit north of you uh and i just want to get your thoughts on it it just came to my mind there was a conversation a leak conversation with um the los angeles council president i believe it was they made some remarks they didn't realize that the conversation was being recorded or a live mic open they made some statements in regards to african-american and latino folks and she has since resigned i mean i'm sure you've seen it i mean uh, on the news and you've heard about it we're in 2022 to hearing a public elected elected an elected official speak so openly it's, it's shocking I, I mean i'm in florida but I mean, do people still talk like that? Absolutely. And that was, that wasn't even as bad as it being made out. You know, there are comments that are people that are making that are far worse than those comments um, from people who have much more political power than that young lady did. Um, You know, one thing I've always said is uh, the mic is always on 
when you're in politics. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never in a moment. You're never. You should never be somewhere where whatever you say, you don't want it to get out. Right. You know, and and that's just the truth of it. Um, and you know, I don't. Have, I don't care how comfortable you become. You know, when you become that comfortable when you says how you speak freely, that's she truly showed who she really was. And and that's unfortunate because, uh, you know, I mean, you often hear that politicians have two face and it didn't help how other politicians are seen because now she just gave evidence to what people were thinking about politicians, that they're two faced. And it's sad that, you know, we had to live that out in real time. Um, and so, you know, you know, this is why I tell people, you know, don't just trust party because, you know, you thinking that the people in your own party are supportive of your circumstance situation, but right. that was prime example. Not everybody is out there fighting for those who are less fortunate. Another thing that's happening in your state, um, uh, she is from California. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband was recently attacked in, in their home. Shocking for me. I, I, didn't, I didn't think anyone can be, get that close to her home. Uh, and it just, for a mo- I mean, I'm sure you're, you have to take two steps back and say, well, wait a minute, you know politics is a risky business to be involved in what are your thoughts when you saw that on the news i mean she's a democrat you're a republican but obviously we're all americans right um absolutely you should you should feel comfortable safe in your home what was your thoughts Uh, when you saw that you know it's uh it's unfortunate um uh, what happened to mr pelosi um, but I'm reminded of uh, Malcolm X. I know that they had told him, don't say anything about uh, John F. Kennedy. Um, but when you look at the policies that have been pushed in California mm-hmm. that has legislated criminal activities, you know, Proposition 47, for example, 2014, right. it was the Safe Neighborhoods and School Act. And, and you know, like I said, I spent time behind bars, and so I, I know how some of the guys behind bars, you know, when they're looking at you know different crimes against certain time, um, and I really believe because they've been pushing for this criminal justice reform and you know looking the other way when crime is happening, not speaking out against it. I think it was a few months ago, Barbara Boxer was attacked um, in San Francisco, in San Francisco, I believe, or in Oakland, right? I think it was Oakland. Yeah, it was up in the, up in the Bay Area. Yeah. And so yeah. there's been a lot of crime that has been happening. And so to just phrase, you know, Malcolm X, uh, the chickens have come home to roost. Um, you know, when you, when you are turning a blind eye to criminal behavior and when you're, you know, essentially, you know, legislating, um, more of a support for criminal behavior and becoming a more an attack on law enforcement and law and order. Th- these are the things that, that are subsequently going to happen. Right. And, you know, what I hear the young man had mental health issues. And this is one of the things that I just was saying the other day, we're talking about gun control. 
well, this man was attacked with a hammer. And the question came was, you know, did he have mental health issues? Of course, yes. And, and now we're finding out, you know, guns is not the result of violence. Mental health, right. behavior health issues. And this was a prime example. Now, I don't see, you know, the Democrats pushing for hammer control. You know, we need to control the flow of hammers that are being sold on the market. You know, right. why are we not politicizing and asking for, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's and Walmart to sell less hammers. No, no, no. Uh, so we can get a control on this. No, I don't think well, that would be a little extreme, right? I think the lobbyists, well, yeah, you know, I mean, but what is what is an extreme? You know, you know, the first thing soon as soon as a shooting happened, the first thing people go to the TV and say, we need gun control. And more people are attacked with objects and killed with objects, knives bats you know then with guns um but nobody wants to politicize that because it's like the way you just you know is it's, it's sound extreme but it was still somebody with a behavioral health issue would have been better for him to have a gun so we could be talking about gun control i mean if someone was still attacking thank god that mr pelosi life wasn't lost but at the end of the day someone was brutally attacked correct you know, with with the weapon that could have taken that could have easily taken his life. Well, he's also an immigrant. He's been in the country for a long time. Uh, without yeah, that's, any, that's without, thing without too. any paper, the Democrats are pushing the border control and immigration issue. Well, that's someone that they wanted in the country, right? I would assume. Chickens come home to roost is the best way to describe it, and that's the reason why it's not being talked about. Because you just got hit with the very thing that you have been protecting. Yeah, I go for that. I go for that. Brian Hawkins, sir, you have come on here. Uh, you didn't give me any restrictions as to what I can ask you. You didn't give me a list of questions. <laughs> you know, people are like, "What are you gonna ask?" This you can't ask me this. Um, you're very open. Um, you didn't put any restrictions on my questions. I, I appreciate you taking the time coming on here and, and chatting with me. I think people should really give you a look and really consider voting for you in your district. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I appreciate that about three days ago, I was, uh, I was given an interview and it lasted about three hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, the gentleman that was interviewing me, and it was live. This was a live interview. And um, he had asked, you know, hey, what questions should I ask? You know, can I send you a list of questions? I said, no, make up a list of questions and just ask me on air. You know, right. just ask. Um, I don't want to be a scripted politician. Uh, I want to make mistakes and then come back and say, oh, I was wrong, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm not ashamed to, to not be perfect. Uh, and I'm, and it's okay. Uh, I prefer to have on the spot questions because it let people to know what's really in my heart and how I really feel about issues. Um, you know, and that's what people are going to get someone that, you know, that genuinely are up to date with all, you know, I don't have a team sitting here feeding me information. You know, it's just me in my office. And it's just been me my entire campaign. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of volunteers here and there, but you know, at the end of the day, me, my Bible and, and my family, you know, and um, and I think that that's how politics should be. Somebody who speaks for the people. 
And what I'm saying is things that people have asked me to say along the way. People have given me these issues and I'm speaking from my district. Um, some of the issues aren't concerning me. You know, I, I don't have all these issues that many people have, um, but it's important to the people that I represent. So therefore it's important that I talk about it. And I, and, and I feel like as a reporter, as a journalist, you know, there shouldn't be no restrictions. True. You know, true. the moment we restrict media, we're in a dangerous place. Hey, I tell people, I said, listen, I don't, I really don't have any list of questions that, um, I know what I want to ask, um, but I don't have any list of questions. People say, oh, can you send? I said, I don't. I, don't. I said, um, my questions are in my head. And, you know, even if I had a list of questions, the conversation don't necessarily go the way I want those questions to go. So, no, I don't have a list of questions. But uh, if you do, well, you will win uh, your seat to go to Congress. I am confident that you will win. You're going to need a staff, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get one. And a good thing about it is, I'm going to tell you right well, now. I'm, well, listen, I'm, well, hold on, hold on. Yeah, listen, I'm, 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 I'm going to apply for to be your press secretary. I'm off rip. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm applying for that position. Off rip. Let me know when the, when the, when the, when the, when it goes out, when it's posted, I'm applying. I'll give absolutely. You absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you, you're, you're right, you know, uh, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you have my contact information, you know, you <laughs> make sure you call me right away. You know, uh, I already told my wife, we're going to get an RV and drive to DC Dig uh, that. after Dig the that. elections. Dig and that. So, Dig that. Dig that. Well, yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate <laughs> you coming on, man. I appreciate you being candid. Um, and I look forward to seeing you in Congress. Brian Hawkins. Yeah. Sir, you're more than welcome to come back here anytime. Don't get brand new on me when you do get to Congress, man. Okay? You know, oh, you go, no, you, no, you're, no, you're going no, to Congress. No. I mean, when you get there, come back, man. Come back and, and chop it up with the kids, man. Oh, man, I am. As a matter of fact, I was... I, I'm going to tell you something. I, um, I was saying this the other day. I said, you know, a lot of people have the position to open up the doors for so many other individuals. But they're so afraid of opening up the door to someone who could replace them that they never consider bringing somebody else along the way. Right, and, right. You know, it's, it's all about successors. It's all about passing the baton, you know, the mantle. And I think that that's where we're wrong at in society. We've gotten so hungry for power that we don't know how to move out of the way when, when the next person comes in. And, and can take it to the next level. So yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm definitely gonna stay connected to the people and stay committed to, you know, meeting with the people at all times. Dig that, dig that. Well I'm happy I had an opportunity to speak to you and I wish you all the best. I look forward to seeing you in Congress and sir, thank you again. Thank you. All right. Take care. <laughs>